Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Hi, Deb! Oh, this is so much fun! I love this. Well, as you just heard, I am Deb Creer. And I am passionate about working with professionals to give them the tools they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And as you heard, we have a group today. Actually, we're only going to end up talking with one person, but we're talking about a business that she founded. So let me tell you about her and then we'll hear a little bit more from the group. Yay, this is so much fun. So, okay, everybody, join me in welcoming Robin Sokoloff to our program today. Thank you, Deb. It's so nice to be here. Great. We are going to have so much fun. So Robin is a lifelong theater professional and activist. She is passionate about building platforms for women and minority voices. Robin holds a BA in sociology from New York University's College of Arts and Sciences. She is a graduate of the NEW, which is the Non-Traditional Employment for Women program, and a former member of the United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners of America, Local 157. And she is proud to have built the city that she loves. And what we're talking with Robin about today is a theater space, and not just theater, a performing arts a complex, a performing arts complex that she is creating and developing. So she has her team around her. So, okay, Robin, take it away and let's hear a little bit more from the team. Okay, yeah. Hi, everyone out there. I'm here with my team. My deputy, my deputy director, Chia Marita, is here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, my development associate is here, Stacy Jacobs. Hi. <laughs> and actually, this is such a great day because uh, some of our future fellowship recipients just walked into the space to see it for the first time. Joanna Carpenter and Ali Bonino are here. Hi. <laughs> They're two amazing ladies who program and produce wonderful concerts, raising money for a variety of organizations for social activism, social justice, and women, women, and more women. Yes. So we're all to be here. <laughs> I'm just going to ask them what they thought when they walked into space, just to hear. Oh, full body chill. I don't have full body. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so overwhelming There's in all tears. the ways. There's tears. It's, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> was that eloquent enough? Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> so that's how we have on site today. And, you know, it's been a long road getting here to having this home for us fellow artists and entrepreneurs to be in to be able to develop our work and, and build a, a bigger a bigger platform for what we want to do in this world. So here we are. We just got the keys last Friday. Wow. It's just it's it's just so new and we're so excited. I love it. Well, and what you're talking about is town stage, correct? Yes, town stages. Perfect. Well, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So town is uh, the second iteration of space I built in New York City. My first project was Loft 227. That was for five years at a location in Chelsea. And that was sort of like our test model. It was a 1,500 square foot space, really flexible, really high tech, really resourceful, designed to give anyone who's getting up in front of an audience an awesome and sleek and, and, and rather fantastic platform to put on a show. So that's whether you're um, making a musical, whether you're raising money for an organization, whether you're launching an app, whether you are um, doing a TED Talk. We're the kind of space where you can do it all because ultimately at the end of the day, you're putting on a show. Right. And uh, we're all theater professionals here. We're all film professionals and we really know how to put on a show. So we're here to tell your story. We're here to help you tell your story in whatever way you envision. Right. Well, yeah. it can be fun, you know, as in, like you said, a musical, some type of stage performance, or it can, is a space that can be used for business purposes also. Exactly. And, you know, I think sometimes when we talk about the arts and business, we think of them as very separate entities. Right. 
But what we're developing here is is the overlap, is the collaboration, because at the end of the day, they all take money, they all take resources, and there's not necessarily one kind of person that does one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, we're really building an audience of people who are who are interested in all kinds of cultural arts, all kinds of forms of entrepreneurship. And we're the kind of space you can come one night and see an art gallery opening. And then you could come the next night and see a brand new musical. It's the same audience. And, and, we, and we're really trying to mix it up and, and, and stop it from being like, oh, I only go to see the ballet. That's not true. <laughs> so we're, we're really trying to give people an opportunity to experience the arts and business in a whole new way. Right. Well, and the nice thing is by combining those two, you can keep the space used, you know, more hours out of the day. I was about to say 24-7, but that's probably not quite right. Um, Mm-hmm. But, you know, most theater performances are in the evening or, you know, typical right. or weekends, you know, say for matinees. Mm-hmm. But during the weekday, then the space would sit empty. So what, you know, what a better way to use it than to have TED Talks, to have product launches, you know, uh, shareholder meetings, all those various reasons that a business might be looking for a space like that. Exactly. And you know, there's just so much underutilized space in New York City right now. Um, because you know, some people when they walk into a restaurant, they only see a restaurant. So, so that's, that's what happens. But we're really transforming, uh, the, the idea itself of space and how it can be used because, you know, what's one person's rehearsal room can be one other person's board meeting. Mm Um, and, and if you build it right, and if you build it like a canvas for everybody, you can really make something special. So, uh, that's what we do here. And, and, you know, it can transform, um, every few hours. Uh, what's also unique about doing it this way is we're not a seasonal theater model. Mm -hmm. So if you're working on a show and you're not quite sure how to build your audience yet or what the response will be, we give you an opportunity to, um, uh, test it out maybe a couple nights a week instead of eight shows a week, which can be very, uh, expensive and, and difficult to accomplish, especially when you have to end the show four weeks later, once it's finally doing well, because mm-hmm. another show is coming in. Right. So by being not a seasonal model, by being non-traditional, we can support a lot of new works mm-hmm. that are, that are, that are testing the limits of, of, of what they are capable of and what kind of audiences would be interested in them. Uh, and the way social media works now, some Sometimes it just takes time for people to find out about your production. So if you want to do two shows a week, uh, great. And, and your audience can grow great. And what's also very special about town stages, which we couldn't do at Loft 227, is we have multiple spaces here of different sizes in which you can grow your production. So where we were one space before and we can only, you know, fit about 74 people. Now we have a space with the capacity of 225 people in a variety of different sized rooms. Mm -hmm. So your production can grow or shrink depending on your needs. Right. I love that. Because it typically is something where, you know, even if, if it's a seasoned performer, you know, somebody who's who's been successful, all those various things, you know, unless they are a major name, they they need to test things first. Um, you know, and it's funny because there are quite a few things that probably should have been tested that weren't. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and well, and you know, we, we kind of laugh about that. But if they would have tested it, then they would have discovered things that they needed to fix. Um, Absolutely. Without spending all of the money, you know, and, and, and maybe mm-hmm. it's a scaled down version. You know, maybe they've done a play and rather than having the cast of thousands, they mm-hmm. have, you know, five or ten people. And, you know, and, and they're able to, oh, well, you know, this is going to work here and that's going to work there and, and, and do it in front of an audience. Because I think, you know, we all know whether, you know, we're someone like me who gives, you know, who is a professional speaker or, you know, someone who's a performer, what works in our head <laughs> and in our offices <laughs> doesn't always work when there's people staring at you. 
You're so right, Deb. And, and in fact, you know, I don't know how much people know about this, but it is so rare in New York City that you have the opportunity as an artist mm-hmm. to rehearse in the space you will be performing in. Right. So what happens is when you finally get there to the theater, you have such limited time and such limited resources, and you often have to restage the entire production. And it's really stressful, and it can be really costly. What we're giving everyone the opportunity to do here, calendar allowing, is that they can rehearse in the space they will be performing in. So uh, that's just a really big win-win for everybody. It's it's great. Uh, there's less load in, load out. Mm-hmm. You know, they can keep their stuff on site. It's it's just across the board. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so many so times, many. you know, the blocking ends up being what you end up changing and and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and which, you know, is, is, you know, varies by stage size and, and, you know, maybe somebody was practicing in, you know, an area and then they're into a very different size area and, and what worked before really doesn't work there. And, you know, it just, it can be catastrophic. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds like you've done quite a bit of theater too. I bet I you're going to tell me. <laughs> You sound like quite a performer yourself. That's so exciting. Oh, you know, I'm one of those those people who <clears throat> 20 uh, <clears throat> years ago was a wannabe. <laughs> oh, no. But, you know, and, and I absolutely loved performing. Um, and I still do. I mean, what I do now is still a variation of that. And and but performing for me helped me to be where I am now, um, yes. you know, with doing the radio program, with emceeing programs all those various things. And it, it is something that I think is so important to anyone who might be presenting at any point, whether it's that you're presenting to the CEO of your company or shareholders or actually you know, doing a stage performance, knowing how to have that kind of presence that comes with being a performer, it, it really is invaluable. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's so funny you said that. I feel like because we are, we are supporting so many corporate types or, Mm -hmm. or our young women launching their business for the first time. We're kind of their first moment at town stages that they're getting up in front of an audience and they walk in and they are so concerned and they're so nervous. They've just never done this before. And you know, we have and we do. And so we're here to walk them through the process. And give them some tips and really make sure the sequencing of events and the music comes down at the right time and the lights come up at the right time to make that 100% an enjoyable and uh, productive experience. Because, you know, as performers, we're often given a script. We're given our lines in advance. But when you get up in front of an audience for a talk or a panel discussion or something that's not scripted, you suddenly have a moment where you realize, wow, I've got to, I've got to come up with this. <laughs> I've got to do this thing. And I, you know, I think it's so extraordinary what you do because Deb, you give, you give people a platform for their voice and their story, but you're not scripted and, and you're coming up with all of it the whole time. And it's, it's extraordinary. It's, it's, it's so awesome what you do because you know, you're, you're, you're playing it by ear. You know, you don't have a script and it's, it's really awesome. Well, and, and it's fun. And to be honest, it took me a long time to, to get this way, <laughs> you know, and, and part of it is in the preparation, you know, I ask my guests for, <laughs> um, obviously for their bio, <laughs> I ask them for uh, things that they would like to talk about. <laughs> I, I do my homework. I look at their website. I read their books. I do all of those various things. Um, and it's funny because I interviewed a guest uh, for the program and he was talking about that. And he was, I believe, 79, if I'm remembering the correct guest. I mean, this was just it was so much fun talking with him. Um, and he said that one of the things he has discovered is most comedians really aren't, you know, just just total off the cuff. They are very scripted and very prepared and they know, you know, they have a variety of scenarios that can happen. And he said, Robin Williams was one of those people that was extremely well prepared. Wow. And he always just thought that he was there going, blah, 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 you know, no, he had it. He had practiced. He had all these various scenarios. 
and and you know what we're saying with all of this is whatever you're doing, business mm-hmm. or professional, or you know something you know like a stage performance, which is of course professional, mm-hmm. you, you do have to be prepared. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, there there is of course improv, total improv, mm-hmm. which oh. I could not do that. You know, my, I would be <laughs> That's a skill those, in itself, oh, right? Smoky, oh. I would be a deer in headlights person with those. And and it does. It takes a very special talent to be a good improv person. Um, but again, that's a skill that works very well for a business person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're up speaking and, you know, somebody shouts out something. I, I've shared on the program before. I was giving a LinkedIn presentation to a group where people had paid to attend. So, you know, this was it. And I got heckled. It was the funniest <gasps> thing in the world. Oh, oh my gosh. And, you know, it was, and, and I mean, it was, it really was, it, it <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and, and the, the gentleman, he was, he was clearly just not a happy person. Right, um, right, right. But because I knew what I was doing, he, he didn't just stop me in my tracks, you know, uh-huh. which unfortunately is what we see happen with a lot of, I mean, and I'm going to say performers. Absolutely. You know, that we're speaking for on a business topic. You know, we're so used to this is what I'm supposed to say now. And this is what is on the slide behind me and blah, blah, blah. That if mm-hmm. something interrupts us, whether it's a heckler or whether it's somebody sneezing, phone ringing, all those things, it totally throws us off our game. And I think that's where we really have to know what we're doing to adapt to that, to say, you know, bless you, Gesundheit, or, you know, as I ended up telling the heckler, sir, you need to leave. Um, yes. yes. And, and, but, you know, I, I love that you have this space that is supportive of women and minorities because, Thank you. It, you know, I, I, I'm going to say Hollywood, but of course you're in New York City, but the uh-huh. entertainment industry is very male oriented and, and not always very supportive. For a variety of reasons, you know, and some are exactly. very practical, you know, because space is limited, time is limited, things like that. But, you know, as we mentioned, you don't always have a chance to practice. And so Correct. I love this. So let's let's go back to why this was something that you decided you wanted to do. What was oh, your inspiration? Yeah. So many reasons. Um, man, I could go on and on. I came here when I was 17. Um, I came here as an artist working already. I came here to attend school. And I think the shift from growing up as an artist and being in a certain world and then going out there into the adult world and being an artist is a very big adjustment and a very big environment change. And um, where up until 17, everything to me seemed so uh, collaborative and diverse and equal. Everyone had a place and a platform. I I grew up not far outside the city where almost nobody looks like me. So to me, this this was the world, right? That was my, my childhood and teenage world. When I got to New York City... I was just confronted with so many unfortunate and and deeply ugly truths Mm -hmm. about the way we treat um, women and minorities and people who are LGBTQIA. And I hate to use the word minority because the world, they're not minorities. The world is full of people of every color of the rainbow. And even the word to me sometimes makes me feel enraged because even in a city like New York city, that, that, that we tout as a diverse, mm-hmm. free, liberal, progressive place, I found out that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I found out very quickly the barriers that I as a woman face, mm-hmm. the barriers that my, um, my artistic collaborators face. Every time we walked into a space or out of a space or were in an employment situation, I found out very quickly how deeply unequal and how, how deeply divided we all are in those scenarios. And, and as I was navigating affording living here and being an artist and paying NYU tuition and all the, the amazing adventures and all the challenges that come with it, um, I really started to understand that no one was going to make this better for any of us. We were going to have to do it ourselves. Right. To, to ask uh, institutions that had been around for decades and, and hundreds of years in some fashion to 
change their minds overnight, although that's what we want and all that's though that's what should be, it's not. There's too many politics, there's too many people involved, there's too many things invested in old ideas. So I just started to take it upon myself to find ways for me to make it different, Mm -hmm. for me to put my foot down, for me to find my voice to stop a crisis situation or fight for a friend or fight for an employee and fight for myself in those scenarios that are discriminatory, that are um, sexual harassment. And when I say sexual harassment, I don't mean just something sexy and and scary happen. I mean, with sexual harassment, when you are treated differently based on your gender, mm-hmm. that is the EOE's definition. So as a woman navigating not getting paid fairly, being um, offered status and, and quid pro quo on the job and, and me being cornered and, and doors being closed and proposition, all those things I went through mm-hmm. in, in the concrete jungle here that is New York City, Every time I was confronted with an obstacle, I learned something. I learned a lesson. I learned a truth. I learned the difficulty me and many others are facing. And I kept readapting my art and my strategy to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And I got to a certain place in my career where I hit the proverbial ceiling. I I hit the proverbial glass ceiling. I recognized that based on all the information I had been given, now I'm running venues and yada, 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 but I still work for other people who have old ideas and um, not not equitable ideas. I could go no further until I stepped up Mm -hmm. and created my own company Mm -hmm. to put forth in the world the things that I think can be improved. Right. And, and in New York City specifically, um, the, the real estate, the space rules the conversation. Mm-hmm. Who owns the real estate is who uh, gets to color the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's good things about that, but real estate is also how we discriminate mm-hmm. as a society. Which door are you allowed to use? The front door or the back door? Which bathroom? Which water fountain? Which property are you allowed to walk on? Uh, you know, which apartment can you rent? What um, are you allowed to speak in this form or not? All of it has something to do with the space you are allowed to be in, stand in, and who gets to dictate that. Mm-hmm. And that goes all the way back to Jim Crow and, 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 and thousands of years. The Who has the land controls the conversation. Right. And, and what I discovered in New York City is, stereotypically, in almost every scenario, a man and a, a, a light-skinned man ruled the space, owned the space, managed the space. So he got to say things like no black entertainers. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is 1999. This is not so long ago. I'm, I'm 36. I'm seven. You know, it's as, as an 18 year old woman realizing just how unfair this world is, your eyes pop out of your head mm-hmm. when, when everyone smiles and nods at you and then tells your, your fellow dancers to go in through the back door you know, it's really a moment of reckoning and whether you will speak up or not, mm-hmm. what will you do? And I always did something, whether it was a good idea or not, mm-hmm. I didn't let the moment pass. Right. And, um, that, that has a lot of, um, uh, consequences mm-hmm. for me personally, professionally, financially, but I didn't care because, right. I can't live in a world where that continues. Mm -hmm. And I knew based on the color of my skin that I can walk away from any job and go start again in a new place, but not everyone can. Mm -hmm. So it was up to me to use the privilege I had to speak truth to power, to point out injustice where it was, 
to, to speak to the venue owner, to speak to the client and say, absolutely not. You cannot do this. What you're doing here, this discrimination is illegal. Mm -hmm. So I was that person, um, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And because I, I felt like I had the power and the safety to do so, not everyone does. And I'm not advocating for that in every scenario. Mm -hmm. So, um, long story short, when I got successful enough and I had seen enough things go right and wrong, I decided I have to start building spaces. Mm -hmm. There are, there are almost no women owners of spaces, no women owners of land, of, of development projects. And if we're going to change the tone and we're going to change the finance and the model of the thing, I've got to break the mold. It's right. very important that we all just break this mold. Mm -hmm. And I knew the resistance I was facing and, and, and I just kept plowing through anyways. So, um, you know, that's why I joined the carpenters union. I wanted to learn how to build. I had been set building, but I hadn't been doing actual construction meant for buildings and, and real estate. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I felt ready enough, I got a commercial space. I got renovated it. I built it with my bare hands and a buddy. Mm -hmm. And that was Loft 227. Um, so that was five years ago. And here we are today at town stages because over the course of the five years at Loft 227, I listened when people said they needed things. Right. I listened when they said, I need more space. I need um, a place that understands me. I need a place that's willing to say yes. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered early on at Love 227 is when a woman or a person of color walked in my doors, they were scared. Right. They were nervous. They were concerned. Mm -hmm. And when I'd, I'd ask, I'd say, are you okay? Like, what's going on? They'd say, it's just been such a nightmare looking for a place to pay to do my project. I have the money. No one will take it. Mm -hmm. And we're, I'm just surprised you're telling me yes. And I'm like, that's why I built this. You're, you're home. You're welcome here. I, I believe in you. I want to hear your voice. Your money is as green as anyone else's like welcome in. Mm -hmm. And that was just such a, a shocking moment to people. So I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, no pun intended. It's just that <laughs> that was the experience right. one after the other mm -hmm. women and minority folks said to me, are you sure it's okay that I do this here? Mm -hmm. And they were just launching their business, putting up new music. Like they weren't burning the place down. So just, they had to overcome so many biases and so much discrimination and really go through the muck to even get an opportunity to do what other people get to do every day without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we were at capacity so quickly. I, I welcomed everybody in and over the course of those five years, 7,000 other projects needed space that I didn't have room for. Wow. 7,000. And that was just, that was just our inboxes. Mm -hmm. That was not even phone calls and voicemails. So my instincts were correct. Um, the need is great. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been a three-year search to find a space that was dramatically larger than Loft 227 to support this overwhelming need. Mm -hmm. um, so here we are at Town Stages at the beginning, not quite a beginning, but the beginning of something bigger and better and um, with more flexibility and opportunity for all. Right. Well, and, you know, I love that you just kept kind of powering on and, and yes. through this, you know, and, and it is something, you know, I actually had somebody the other day in, in a business setting say, well, there's no discrimination. <gasps> you know, women. Have, oh, and I'm like, oh. oh and of course, goodness. it was, yeah, you know, it was, it was somebody that you just wanted to smack upside the head. Oh. And, you know, and, and it happens. And unfortunately, many times it's very hidden you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. the woman doesn't get the promotion and you don't know why yeah. um the you know the minority doesn't get the promotion and you don't know why they just don't say because you know and 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 for some people they don't even sadly i don't even think they sometimes realize why they're doing that um you know and and or you know because it's just kind of been ingrained with them that senior management looks this certain way <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and and when we look around at businesses, we see that, you know, and, and are we seeing more and more women and more and more persons of color and sexual uh, proclivities, all those various things we mm-hmm. are seeing more and more, yes. but it's sad that it takes so long. Oh um, God. And look at the backlash now that we're here. Oh yeah. Look you at know, this unbelievable the- unraveling politically and the backlash because right. we did get some movement forward. Right. You know, I, holy cow, we are at the halfway mark already. And, <laughs> and I, yeah, this is just, um, you know, it, it, many years. Well, not many. Actually, it wasn't many years ago, which is kind of sad about this. I worked for a lobbying organization in Colorado. And the people there were fabulous. You know, I, I just want to you know make sure that that I put that out there. They were absolutely spectacular to work with. Awesome. But you talk about a good old boy network, and that's politics. You know, yes. and there now I never had anything that was really extremely offensive happen. Mm-hmm. But I was also older, and I think that probably if anybody had even contemplated, they would have known that I would have, like, dropped them in there where they stood. Um, but I did have, uh, you know, there were times where I had uh, I had a senator pat me on top of my head. Oh. Yeah, you know, at least it was oh. my head and not another part of my body. Um, <laughs> Which happens quite uh, often. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I still wanted to just smack the living daylights out of him. Of course, I couldn't. Um, but, you know, and, and he literally said, honey go get the the name of one of the guys I worked with so that we can work on this. And it was my project, uh, you know? And so then you're faced with the, what the heck do you do next scenario? <laughs> you know, do you smack them? No, you know, and, and all these various things. And unfortunately that is why we have these situations that continue. And mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of talking about Harvey Weinstein and, you know, everything that has right. happened with that. Mm-hmm. But, what that shows, though, is in the entertainment industry, in the business industry, all these various things, people are afraid to say no. Yes. There and and it was funny because I'm actually I'm you know obviously very active on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I am honored to be friends with some actors mm-hmm. on Facebook. Of course, you know they don't know me from Adam, but you know, <laughs> and it's, it's their personal pages. It's it's not you know their publicist or any of those various things. Mm-hmm. And several of them, and these are men, have come out recently and talked about things that happened to them. Yes. That were just, and, but same yes. thing, they were afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. The person of power, whether it was man or woman, they were, again, they were that person of power. And, and it's set up that way. It's set up so that it doesn't feel appropriate to say something. And, and, you know, again, I go back to like, you know, part of, I think, I think artists are always on the cutting edge of activism and social justice, because as an artist by nature, you're not trying to copy what's already there. You're trying to transform it. You're trying to look at it and criticize it and wonder if there's another way to do it. And, and, and I'm here to create what hasn't happened yet. And in a lot of ways, it, it gave me the power to be unruly, to be an unruly kind of a woman that actually does in that scenario, not try to look quote unquote professional, Mm -hmm. but to actually just say the thing that is probably on everyone's minds. They're just too scared to say. And I think now, especially with the hashtag me too wave that swept Facebook a couple of days ago, I'm finding this extraordinary thing where women no longer seem to feel like, oh, if I just behave or if I don't say anything, it might be inappropriate. Oh, maybe nobody else feels this way. I'm watching women in a variety of circumstances, online and in person, Mm -hmm. vocalize when something is not okay because now they have the power of all the other women who said so a couple days ago at their back. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing sort of like a a slow moving wave kind of crest where the more visible you can make something like that. Cause it is invisible. You're right. It, it, it's almost like it's unseen. The more visible we can all make it. We might find out that so many of us feel uncomfortable and unsafe in these scenarios. Right. 
And it just took one of us Mm -hmm. to go, Hey, Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's, I personally feel it's important to always say discrimination is real. Mm -hmm. Sexual harassment is real. Um, I, I, I say it not again to go negative, but to acknowledge it so that other people can too. And so they don't feel alone in it. Mm-hmm. In my journey to open up town stages, it took close to 300 different buildings that I had to canvas and interview with through a sea of brokers and landlords, mm-hmm. all of whom were, were white and male. Mm-hmm almost all of whom who had a adverse reaction when I stepped in the room, Mm -hmm. it was visible. It was visceral. And a lot of them said so, and they didn't believe it was my company. They were waiting for my boss. I had to spend an exorbitant amount of time explaining myself. And it's so absurd. It's so crazy. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm 36. When does this stop? Right. I'm the one who's spending the money here and everyone only makes money. If the deal is closed, mm-hmm. the landlord only gets his money. If I rent right. and then I got close to 299 no's and I was offering market rate right. in a city that is 35% empty on the storefront level. Mm-hmm. So when people say misogyny is not a thing, I just go, really? It is, and we have to talk about it, and we have to take it seriously because women are are an incredible force and an incredible economic resource. Mm -hmm. If you give women options, if you give women purchasing power, if you let them make decisions for themselves, Mm -hmm. it is good for the environment, it is good for their families, it is good for business, it is good for everyone. And if you keep the door closed, to keep the boys club running, no one's happy. It's, it's an illusionary kind of happy. You can't, you can't look around right now and, and really agree that everyone's so happy with this. There's a lot of upset, shaken up people out there. And, you know, it's, it's a book was recently written even about global warming. One of the top six things we can do to turn global warming around is to give women education choices and access Mm -hmm. women will make if you give them the choice they will make the environmental the environmentally sound choice right so you know this took so much pushing and so much defining and redefining and honing and convincing and proving uh to get here where we are today inside town stages and it is it is it feels weird to say this to you. Um, it shouldn't have been such an achievement. I feel I should have been should have able been to. Commonplace. It should have been commonplace because of how many people's support we needed, because of the rallying cry we had to make, because there was so much resistance, because I don't look like the person you normally sign a lease over to right. in your mind. Mm-hmm. This is a landmark achievement for myself and my team and for artists and entrepreneurs everywhere in New York City because now we have a place we belong. Mm-hmm. I want it to get easier. Right. I, it, you know? It, it should be, like we said, the, you know, the word commonplace. It should yeah. be, oh, well, look, there's, there's a new venue that's opened. And, yeah. and you don't have the qualifying statement after that that it is run by a white woman, a black woman, you know, a Hispanic, a gay, you know, right. you shouldn't have any of that at all. It should just be, oh, look, we have a new space that's open or a new business that has started, you know, yeah. all of those various things. And, you know, what, of course, what happens when we are, are inclusive, we need that, you know, we, we need that female perspective and that male perspective to really make things function well. And I think that's what we've seen in businesses mm-hmm. when there has been that collaboration is, you know, that's those are the ones that are truly successful, um, you know, because we do think of things differently. You know, women and, and of course, this is I'm, I'm very much stereotyping, but mm-hmm. women are the nurturers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and men tend to be more practical and maybe, you know, thinking of finances more. 
and you know things like that. And so when you combine those, that's where you're going to have the best outcome. Exactly. I think Reese Witherspoon said this um, in a speech recently. She said she hates that women are depicted in movies like, oh, no, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. She said to the audience, that never happens in real life. When there is a crisis, a woman is the one handling it. And, And you're even told when you're little in a crisis, go find a woman. She will protect you. So, you know, really there's all this like junk out there. There's all these biases about can women handle this? Can they be trusted? Do they even know money? Do they? It's all false. Mm -hmm. We work so hard. We work harder. Uh, We work just as hard as anyone else, if not harder, because we're overcoming this bias. Right. Well, and in a lot of cases, what we're having to do to overcome that is either A, educating ourselves more, which, you know, that... Or we are team building. You know, we're, we're not trying to do it on our own. And I think that's when we see businesses fail is when the leader and, you know, I'll, I'll just whether it's mm-hmm, a male or mm-hmm, female, mm-hmm. when they do try and do it on their own. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and a, a big portion of my audience are entrepreneurs and small business owners. Mm-hmm. And we're always talking about the fact that you have to build a team. You know, we might think we're the smartest people in the world, but really we're not, you know, and, and uh-huh. I, you know, I don't know the, the money site. That's why I have a CPA. Yes. You know, I have yes. a lawyer, you know, all these various things. And, and maybe it is because we don't have that ego as mm-hmm, much. We're mm-hmm, more than happy mm-hmm. to say, oh my gosh, I need. I need you to be part of my team. Yes. You know, and, and so it's, and it's not, you know, I need your help. It's, hey, you know, be part of my team and let's make this successful. Yes. Oh my God. You hit the nail on the head. That was actually a, a, a way that I had to grow and transform. Mm-hmm. When I, when I opened Loft 227, I literally did it myself. And there's a variety of reasons. I've never asked anyone for help. I always think I've got to prove I can do it right. because of this, 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 this uh, bias out there about women. I'm always trying to prove, no, I can do all of it. Watch, see. And I did. And that's cool. And yes, I had people who worked on particular events for me, but at some point I had to say to another person, this is too much for me. It's too it's, it's, it's bigger than me. It's going really well. I can't manage it all. Do you want on board? And the person, you know, immediately hit the ground running. Uh, Her name is Megan Wiles. She's an extraordinary business owner. Um, I was one of her first clients at the time. She was, um, an incredible actress and bookkeeper. She had that hustle and, um, she took on my company with me as my bookkeeper, as my sales director, as my backbone and a beautiful thing emerged because I asked for help. I now was building a team. Megan went on to, to run her own company. She has tons of clients now. She's out in LA. She's still running my company. And, and then the fact that we can do that together is what's extraordinary. And, and, and when it came to opening town stages, I tried so hard again to do it myself, to find it myself. I, I just wanted to believe uh, and it is a little immature actually to think and a little egotistical to think I should be able to do it to myself or I know it all. What I learned is I do not, I do not know it all. I started building a team of amazing boss ladies in their own right. Stacey Jacobs, who you met before, Chia Morita, who you met before. These women, I could not have had this moment with you, Deb. I could not have gotten these keys to this beautiful space if not for Stacey and Chie. They came on board. They jumped off this cliff with me a few months ago, and they made this happen. We made this happen together, and I really learned what people meant when they said teamwork mm-hmm. just in these last few months. And, and I, I'm, I am so um, grateful and, and sort of um, over the moon with, with what they brought to the table. And, and we're just going to keep the team growing. And, and if I would ever tell myself something like my former 17-year-old self would have been to cultivate a team to ask for help. 
because I just didn't know until now that that's what it takes. Right. You know, I really, I really didn't understand that um, mm-hmm. until just, you know, Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. That 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 is what it takes, and and we're all coming from different perspectives, and we're all fighting different kinds of fights, but we can pool our resources and um, and really do the thing, really follow through with the thing. Mm-hmm. And here we are um, in this space all together doing it. We're really doing it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, one of the other things that you have is you actually have a nonprofit organization called yes. Sokolov Arts. Yeah. So talk about that. And then and because also who we met before were some of the people who um, have received your fellowships. And so I yes. want to talk about all of that. Great. So um, when I ran Loft 227 for the first five years, we were a for-profit company, Um, except I was managing it like a nonprofit because I built a model whereby a full-price rental comes in from a corporate or a business, and then it subsidizes the artistic or more creative or more entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a two-to-one match in resources already, even though I was a for-profit company. It's just the giving model I wanted to create. And while we were looking for space and we were running into a lot of challenges and we were talking to larger institutions, everyone seemed confused that I wasn't a nonprofit because I was behaving as one. Mm -hmm. So after much, you know, soul searching, um, we registered as a nonprofit to formalize what we're doing for people here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We called it Sokolov Arts. And it was the magic key, so to speak, that led us to our amazing landlord organization who did say yes to us. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. We've been told close to 300 times a no. And now that we're a nonprofit, um, formerly a nonprofit, we found a nonprofit landlord organization who was thrilled about us. Okay. Um, they are a uh, Muslim Sufi organization, and they own the building mm-hmm. and a variety of other buildings. And and they researched us. You know, we we set up an interview, we set up a site visit, but they took the time to find out about me about Sokolov mm-hmm. Arts. Mm-hmm. And I walked in. Like I usually walk into a team of men who are going to grill me up to our zoo and have, have their fun for the day and then not take me seriously and say no. And instead, these incredible gentlemen knew all about me, wanted to know more, were so excited, thought we were a great fit a cultural arts fit with another cultural arts organization. Mm-hmm. And we moved through the process really swiftly. And if you ask any broker in New York, they'll tell you it's going to take you six months to get a commercial lease. If you're not in office, six months, yeah. it's unreal what I've been told. And it's true. Most of our deals fell apart at the three or four month mark. Mm-hmm. It's so complicated. It's so hard to ma- navigate. Mm-hmm. But this organization was behind us all the way, and we just feel so lucky and so grateful. And, and, and really, that goes back to learning the lessons, going nonprofit, formalizing what we were already doing in the community mm-hmm. was the way to find our, our landlord match. And we're going to be here, you know, 10 to 15 years. That's a partnership. That's not a small thing. We're in a marriage with the building that we are operating within. And, and we really found our people. And um, we couldn't be more grateful about that. And we learned a lot along the way. Um, so Sokolov Arts is our uh, way of welcoming in and subsidizing and giving a platform to women and minority and LGBTQ voices mm-hmm. in their storytelling. And um, we, this is our inaugural fellowship program. And it's going to be housed at Town Stages. Mm-hmm. And um, we're accepting applications on a rolling basis to work with folks who have something to create, something to say, something mm-hmm. to achieve um, in a variety of ways that they envision. Um, and you can find out more about that on SokolovArts.org. And, um, you know, TownStages.com is the website for town. We call it town for short. So townstages.com is where you can go to find out more about the space, the facility, make an appointment to come on in and check it out Mm -hmm. and start planning. Um, And, you know, read the bios of our team and uh, 
that's where we are today. So Circle of Arts is at its very beginning. And I hope that I can interview with you in a few more years to say that we've grown leaps and bounds as an organization Mm -hmm. and we're supporting thousands and thousands of artists. Mm -hmm. And um, part of our success and our growth will include, um, you know, relationships with foundations and other institutions and private individuals who want to perhaps financially support what we're doing here Mm -hmm. to give. Um, We have three extraordinary performance spaces and town stages that we want to give away naming rights to. We're looking for maybe a woman or a minority or LGBTQ person with a legacy that, that they or someone who loved them wants to put their name Mm -hmm. on one of our spaces that will support all this wonderful work. Mm -hmm. So we're seeking some support and we're seeking some partners in our success as we move forward. Right. Yeah. Well, and we only have about eight minutes left. Oh, no. Um, You know, and, and, but, Part of why I wanted to talk about your nonprofit is uh-huh. I think that so many businesses mm-hmm. want to do philanthropic type of, of activities mm-hmm. and they're not quite sure how. And so you found a great way to do it in founding your own nonprofit. I see. Yes. Well, in a variety of ways, I didn't initially raise money or go the grant route or seek outside funding. I just treated events themselves as the giving entity. Mm-hmm. You know, if JP Morgan is running um, a, a holiday event and they have the capital to spend on a on a great space, then I would take that money and subsidize the other um, artists and entrepreneurs that were kind of getting their feet wet. But now, you know, there's so much opportunity with this space for a company who wants to support or invest in our success. There's so much brand recognition. We have a uh, We haven't even opened our doors, but our list, we have a 70,000 person email list we've developed from Loft 227. 70,000 is a lot of people and they're all local New Yorkers Mm -hmm. and they're majority 20 to 40 something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talk about brand recognition. Mm -hmm. We have a huge social media following. We have all these events we're constantly putting out on, on social media with our logo, with potentially their logo, if they want to support our work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we expect to have 750,000 people in our doors in the next 10 years. Wow. Right. So if your name is on a wall here or your brand is on a wall here or on our projectors in our life-size windows, we have 15-foot soaring windows. We've got mm-hmm. two storefronts in Tribeca. Wow. We have, we're on a corner. We're on um, West Broadway and White mm-hmm. Street. It's a high traffic corner. It's gorgeous. It's iconic. And we have windows up to Wazoo mm-hmm. in which your brand or your cause will, will, will get seen, will get noticed. Um, you know, and we expect to have a lot of uh, large institutional events and galas and, and, and celebrity driven programming here. So, your your logo, your brand, your voice, your company will get seen and heard. So there's so much opportunity. Um, we'll be running panels. We want the people giving to be on those panels and and to speak uh, on their organization's behalf. There's just a lot to do here, and I'm I'm really learning for the first time what being nonprofit is all about. Mm-hmm. It's really about sharing and caring and community. Um, and, uh, we're looking for people who are, who are interested in doing this with us, mm-hmm. you know, we're so excited about it. And, and we really, there'll just be so many eyeballs on what we're doing in person and in the digital space. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. and you know, it's, as we've mentioned, it's not just theater and I'm putting that in my little air quotes. Correct. It is business space. It is, Correct. you know, it's, it's a space that can be used. It's truly a multi-purpose space. Exactly. And so it's a great opportunity for someone to get a lot of different exposure. A hundred percent. We can have tech conferences. You know, it's it's really it's a dynamic facility with breakout rooms and nooks and crannies and and, and gorgeous private spaces and gorgeous bathrooms and soaring uh, gold and silver ceilings. I mean, it's a really 
extraordinary space to walk into mm-hmm. and, and, and to be a platform and put your best foot forward right. for whatever you're doing. You know, I think, I think that's always just been the struggle in the arts is the spaces we're working in mm-hmm. are so old and are falling apart. They're not to code. They're often unsafe. And it looks to an audience when you come in like it's not a thing, like it's right. not worthy of production, like it's not worthy of investment or, or, or success. And, and what we've done really well here is, is give um, a project its best foot forward. Give it its really like... You're going to bring in some big time producers. They're going to walk in and go, oh, oh, I wow. see the full picture, right? right. Y- you know, and, 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 and we really just draw the whole picture for them. Um, and, and, and we really tie up the vision and the power of somebody's story in a beautiful space in a way that's hard to do in a not so beautiful space. So I think that's, that's really the, 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 the industry struggle, mm-hmm. um, that, that we are overcoming here. So, so yes, you know, we, I, I guess, I guess the cool, cool thing, the cool takeaway for a corporation or small business that wants to be hands-on and part of the process and, and know that they're helping a specific person or a specific entity or a specific show, they can walk in here and do that. Mm-hmm. This isn't a remote situation. This isn't just a commercial. This is, these are people. These are people who are doing extraordinary things that can use your support and, and your cheerleading. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they want to go on that journey with you too. They, they want to they thank you. They want to celebrate what you do in your company and why you are able to give. And I, and I just don't know that that's, like you said, something people are aware of mm-hmm. what it means to pay for space for somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and just to, just to spit out some numbers five years ago, uh, practice space was $35 a square foot in midtown. Mm-hmm. Wow. $35 a square foot. It is now close to 60 to $70 per square mm-hmm. foot. That is that is an insurmountable challenge for someone mm-hmm. who just needs to, to choreograph something. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, even, even giving space subsidies and space grants, mm-hmm. you're really transforming people's lives. Right. Yeah. Well, Robin, yeah. we've got just about a minute left. Oh, no, so Deb. I know. I know. Which, well, see, this, this really does mean that, you know, <laughs> we do have to have you on again and you know, and that will be so much fun. So, you know, what are, what, you know, 30 seconds, words of wisdom. Oh, words of wisdom. Um, women help other women. Women have to help other women. That is the way forward. That is 100%. Uh, my best words of wisdom is find your people help each other up, um, support each other's success. Um, one person's success is everybody's success. And I, I, I stand by that. I believe in that. I have proof of that. And the world will make it extremely difficult. And that's okay. That is okay. You can do it anyways. I do it every day. The people around me do it every day. Do not be scared off by resistance. Do not be scared off by obstacles. They're growth opportunities and they are learning lessons. And if you just keep powering through and adapting, you will get where you want to go. But don't let anyone tell you no. Just don't. They're going to try. They're going to try. And just find another way and you, 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 you will rule the day. You really will. And I stand here as proof of that. And I'm at, you know, the beginning of another journey and I'm, I'm always going to say yes. So I, uh, I encourage everyone when they hear a no to say a yes anyways. 
right? Yeah. Well, Robin, how do people find you online? You can find me at townstages.com. You can find me at sokolofarts.org. You can find me at robinsokoloff.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook under Robin Sokoloff, Town Stages, and Sokoloff Arts. I love it. Well, you know, I really have been having a fabulous time talking with Robin Sokoloff. I am Deb Creer, and until next week, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.